Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for the songs that have been sung and lifting up your name. And we thank you for an opportunity to have worshipped you in giving. And now as we look into your word, we ask that it will resonate in our hearts and that it will gain root and that it will grow up and become a great and mighty oak in our lives, that we will adhere to it, that we will listen and obey. We thank you and we honor you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We are into our third episode of our series called Family Five. Family Five, the five foundations of a healthy family. Again, we are in our third episode of that. And my starting statement for today is make it a part of your daily routine to talk to your family about God. Make it a part of your daily routine to talk to your family about God. Now, when we started out, we started out with our first episode, which was to put God first. Then last week, we said that one of the foundations is to provide for each other. Today, our episode number three, our subtitle is... Have conversations about God. Have conversations about God. Now, a little side note, I'm not talking about saying grace before y'all eat your food. I'm talking about have conversation about God. So our definitions are the same. I'm not changing any definition for this whole thing because I really want this to sink in. The foundation is that of which anything is founded that on which anything stands and by which it is supported. The lowest and supporting layer of a superstructure, a groundwork, or a basis. Healthy, being in a state of health, enjoying health, hale, sound, free from disease. And then family. Family is a group of individuals living under one roof and usually under one head. The group comprising a husband and wife and their dependent children constituting a fundamental unit in the organization of society is our definitions for right now. There, if you notice, our second video today had a particular point for us because we are going to be talking about one of my favorite Old Testament uh, sections of scripture, which is Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, starting at the fourth verse. We're going to be in the English Standard Version. And this is a very significant amount of scripture that we shall look at. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, starting at the fourth verse, says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Verse number six says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. 
7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will resonate in our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. In Jesus' name. So this is called, as you heard, it's called the Shema. Some people say the Shema. Some, but the, the key is, it's all about the very first word. Now, just to back up just a little bit, because uh, I'm excited about this. Be, eh, let me calm down. This is so significant to me because something that is repeated has significance. And this is something that the, 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 the nation, the entire Jewish community say, verses 4 and 5, every day, twice a day. Every day, twice a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is uh, uh, the, 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 the hearing. This is, this is everything. They, 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 they say it when they get up in the morning. They say it in the evening. They say it uh, all the time. They, they, they place it upon their wrist. They place it in a, a little thing that goes between their eyes. They, it is always before them. And this has been uh, uh, something that has been done so long. It, uh, my, my, one of the commentaries said, when uh, Jewish boys are taught the, the Shema as soon as they can speak, that is how significant it is to the nation, to Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And it is recited at the end of one's life. This is so significant that it talks about who God is and our devotion towards him. That it's a complete devotion. It's all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength, your might, your ability, you are to love the Lord your God. And so as we look at this and we hear that repeatedly, I want us to take some time and walk with you in this. So we've already talked about the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And we've only said it probably about four or five times. Now imagine they say this when they get up in the morning, when they lay down at night. If you've watched the movie The Chosen, one of the things that if you really notice, that is one of the things that they do. They say a prayer to God as they get ready to close their eyes. They say a prayer 
First thing, as soon as they wake up in the morning, Lord, I thank you for the opening of my eyes that I may see another day. They are practicing the Shema, the listen, the obey of what they believe. So four and five is the attention. This is what we do. This is, and then Moses goes on to verse number six and he says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So Moses is saying, now y'all hearing these words in four and five, but let me help you understand how we're going to apply this as a nation in how we do this. So I'm going to take some time today and we're going to, we're going to talk about how we're going to apply this, what we just heard. That we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. And so he says, the heart, which is a person's center for both physical and emotional, intellectual, moral activities. That means it's supposed to be the very inside of you. We, some of us call our heart our soul, our who we are. When no one else is looking, who we are, the, the person that we're talking to when we're talking to ourselves is our heart. And so we want to put this into our heart so that it's a, a, a part of us that's not only words, but we feel this. We think about this. We are wrapping our minds around this because it is so important to us. Then he goes on and says, you shall teach, not just speak. He says, you shall teach them diligently. That means with a focus, with an intention to your children. Amen. And we know that teach is to impart knowledge. It is to give intelligence concerning, to impart. Teaching is for us to to provide knowledge that was before unknown or rules for practice. There are, now what I'm not, listen, I don't want us to think that now you got to have a church school in your house. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you like going going there in the middle of of, of 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 the family watching whatever your favorite family TV show is. You go in there and turn the TV off and say, "We need to talk about God right now," but because of what the pastor said on Sunday. Now that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when we teach, we should look for moments in life that we can call teachable moments. Amen. Not trying to create a, a, a classroom, but in a moment, use that moment to focus our children's, uh, our husbands, our wives' eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. Because we are supposed to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. We have to teach one another. We have to instruct. We have to provide knowledge to one another that God is able to do the impossible. We have to diligently teach it. Every opportunity that we can find to show God's goodness, to show God's mercy, to show God's loving kindness toward us, we have to look and acknowledge it and 
Utilize it. Now, I'm, I'm going to say something, and um, I want you to, to grab hold of this. When you have opportunity to discuss or to uh, make this a teachable moment about the goodness of God, it's not going to feel like it's a good time. That's right. It's not going to seem like it's a good time. It's not going to be uh, a seem conducive to bringing glory to God. But let me help in that little thing because we're talking about teaching diligently. We have to make it so that when you get ready, it's kind of like why we do our memory verse. Because when you're not thinking about it, you're thinking about it. Because it becomes a part of your thinking. Yes, yes. And so when you hear the word give, the next thing, that it, when somebody says give, it was collecting your mind and it shall, and it shall be given unto me. Because we have talked about it. So when a situation happens and they say it's impossible, what should be going on in our spouse's mind, our mind, our children's mind is with men, some things are impossible. With, with God, all things are possible. See, we have to make this an environment that God comes up in every situation. The next part, it goes in, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So when you're sitting around just talking, mm -hmm. God should come up, and right. the goodness of God I'm should so come sorry. up. I, you know, we can talk about the football game, the basketball game. We can talk about what happened on, um, oh, babe, I, I had it in my mind. What was, the, what was the name of the, 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 the show, uh, the, the, the bishop? And Greenleaf. Greenleaf. You can be talking about Greenleaf and you can work it out that you can show how God's goodness even in the midst of Greenleaf. For, okay, for those of y'all brothers and sisters, for, for those, of, uh, I can't think of another one right now, but all of those different shows, God can be revealed in anything if we're looking for him. And we should talk about it. We should talk about it. And it says, you shall talk of them when you're sitting in your house. When you're sitting in the house, what are we talking about? Are we talking about that we don't have enough money? Are we talking about that, you know, we need to do this? Are we talking about that this is, you know, I'm, I'm not liking how you're making dinner. I'm not liking how you clean. What are we talking about? We got to have this mindset that we're going to have conversations Daily about God. That's good. That's good. And then he goes on and says, and when you walk by the way, when you're just walking along, sometimes you got to talk to yourself and say, self, God's been good to us. We're able to walk. We got two feet. We may be bow-legged and leg-shaking and, and every pigeon-toe, whatever direction, but we can move. Yes. And, and, and when you're going along the way, we're acknowledging who yes. God is. Yes. And so if you remember from our Bible studies, walk traditionally means to, to move along on your foot or to advance by steps. But when we talk in the biblical sense about walk, it's being 
Moving with intention. So when you walk by the way, when you're walking by the way, that means that we are intentionally thinking, doing, or acting in a particular method. Then he goes on and he says, and when you lie down, when you lie down, what are you talking about? When you rise, when you get up in the morning, what are you, what you talking? talking about? Oh, my back, my neck, my foot, my ear, my, oh, Lord. Is it another day? I got to get up. What, what are we talking about? What are we focusing on? What are we exalting? What are we putting up? And, and what are we focusing, magnifying in our lives? Then, after he talks about all these physical things that we do, we can teach, we can talk, we can walk. And then Moses goes on, he says, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Now, what, they, what the Jewish people do, they have this thing I, I, that they, they wrap, it's a little cord that goes around their hand, and it has the Shema on it. The Shema on it. And, and, and it's a reminder that it, what, because your hands represent what you do. Okay. And so everything that they do, they have the Shema in front of them. Shouldn't we also, when we are doing something, I remember this old deacon that I used to do work with. I wasn't, I wasn't a craftsman, but when the church would want to do some, have some crafts done, I would go, go out there and i say, at least I can at least watch or hand them a hammer or whatever. But it would be so funny when we, were, when we would be hammering. Well, he would be hammering. I'd be handing him the nails. But anyway, when he would be hammering, he would start praying as he is hammering, Lord, let, allow me to hit this, this nail. And, allow, and I would be sitting there to myself laughing. Why are he praying? But as I got to understand it more, he's acknowledging God in all his ways. And God is directing. So when he did something, he kept the Lord at the forefront of what he was doing. Yes. Everything that he did, he ensured that the Lord was at the forefront. And then he says, and these words, this, the Shema shall be frontlets between your eyes. So it, it, it's, it's, like, it's like a, uh, 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 what's it they call that little decoration that the, you know, some, some women wear it. It's like a little thing and then it has a little, uh, uh, it has a little, uh, yeah, uh, whatever it is, yeah. If, but that's kind of what this thing is. It's a thing that the, the men wear, and it comes down in between their eyes. It's a, it's, it has the Shema written on that. Why? Because we want to be reminded that everywhere we look, we should see God in action. We should see God, our, our perception, the, the lenses that we're looking through should be focused on God doing a work. Now, one of the things that we have to acknowledge is that it's very easy in this present environment for us to not see God in everything. 
It's very easy for us. Why? Because we're cynical, we're critical, and we just don't like each other right now. And so we have to put on these glasses, these perceptions. We have to put this frontlet between our eyes so that we can see and hear and obey the word of the Lord. So that we can operate in such a way that we can acknowledge that God is doing something in the midst of this chaos. And then finally, the final thing says, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, I... I Writing is, is for us to set down as legible characters and to form the conveyance of meaning. Of meaning. That's, that's what writing is. It's us putting characters down so that we can convey meaning. And so what Moses is bringing up in this, he's talking about when folks come onto your property, that which you are the manager of, they should see that your attention is on hearing the word, loving the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. They should know when they step on your property that this is ground that is consecrated to the Lord. Now, I'm not telling you to go out there and, 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 and write this per se on your house. What I'm saying is coming onto your property, there should be an indication that God is present here. We should ensure that when we are doing our things and, and we're setting up things, that it is the place that people feel that God is there. The doorpost. Let me just do this for a moment. The doorpost is the entrance to the abode. How significant is the doorpost? The doorpost is so significant in that when God was blessing the children of Israel, he said, Take the blood of the lamb and place it on the doorpost so that the avenging angel will know not to come in this house. So we want the word of God to be at the doorpost of our place that we dwell. We want it to be at the gates. The gate is that which establishes the perimeter of where we well, so not only do we want the place where we live, but the but the perimeter we want to encompass our entire living area in the word of God, the doorposts, the gates. So when people come in, what what we desire is that when people come into our place, our, our house, our home, that they feel that something is different. They feel, I, I, 
I relax. I just feel so relaxed when I come. Uh, I remember uh, one of our prayers for, for, for a long time. We always wanted our house to be a place of peace. And we had this one young lady. On Sunday, she would be like, I'm coming over so I can get my nap in peace. And she would come over, she would lay on the, she wouldn't even, she got to the point, she wouldn't even ask us anymore. She'd just go get on the chase, and she'd go to sleep. And I mean, I ain't talking about no nap. This young lady was sleeping, and she'd be like, all right, thank y'all. She'd eat a little dinner with us, and then she'd go on her way. And she, next week, she'd be like, y'all going it? No. All right, well, I'm coming over, get my t-. And, 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 and it just got up, did our heart good that she felt that our place was a place that she could relax and just have peace. And that's what we want. We want people to want to be around the presence of the Lord. We want to establish this. So if we are teaching, if we are talking, if we are walking, if we are binding, if we are looking, if we are writing, if we are implanting, if we're doing these things, then there should be something, someone, somewhere that gets a little touch of what God is all about. We want to touch the lives of people. If, if you remember, I've said this before, that when Jesus went, ascended into heaven and they started walking in the way, it wasn't the fact that they were preaching that was drawing the people. It was how they were acting towards one another. They, Jesus said, they're they going to know that you're my disciples by the love, the actions that you have towards one another. It wasn't the fact that they were standing up and that they had these large edifices that they, because they didn't even have that back, in, back then. All they were doing was going from house to house, enjoying one another, having all things in common. And so what this Shema brought, the, the Shema brings out in us is, if we are going to walk in that the fact that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, our might, we have to look at what Jesus said when he was inquired about what was the greatest commandment. Now when he brought up, because they were trying to trick him up, but Jesus had to say, let me show you something really quickly. They said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Now remember, they say the, the Shema twice a day. And he says, you know what it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now then, Jesus because he was the revelation of the word, says, and the next commandment is just as great as this first one, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. Now, that I know that joker got mad at that. <laughs> I got to love this person. I got to love that. Why? Because... Jesus was the turnkey by which we went from expression of what it was to be a child of God to reflecting 
what it is to be a child of God. What do I mean by that? A lot of people are expressing because they know how to raise their hands. They know how to say hallelujah. They know how to. But when you reflect something, that means it's coming out of you and it is reflecting your inner being. So if love, which is the primary thing, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, is the, the, the Shema, then the revelation of that is everywhere I go, I'm reflecting love. And so when Jesus brought that out, I think he caused more folks not to like him. Because it's easy for us to just express something because our heart doesn't have to be in it. But when we reflect it, that means it's coming from our innermost being and being a part of who we are. Because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Which means that's how you will conduct yourself. I, there, there are some people that, that do things and, and you're like, I never thought you would have did something like that. Well, that's because it's coming out of who they are. And so we have to look at this Shema and we have to begin to input in our family because we want our family to be on a firm foundation and they should know that a conversation daily about God is going to happen. It's going to happen. We are going to reflect God in this house one way or another. It's either going to be through talking. It's either going to be through walking. It's either going to be through teaching. Somehow, we're going to bring God into the forefront of our situation. Why? Because we as adults sometimes need to be reminded and we as children need to be told. Because if we allow them to watch how television resolves issues, how television does it, they're going to grab a weapon, they're going to steal, they're going to kill, and they're going to destroy. And we know that is part of how the thief operates. And we don't want them to be operating as a thief. We want them to operate in the abundant life which is found in Christ Jesus. So I just want to take a little time today just to express to you all how important the conversation is a daily conversation is about God for the foundation of your family. Now, the other point that I want, I want, I want, it, I want to get is the emphasis is on conversation. The focus is on doing it as frequently as possible. Because I don't want you to get wrapped so around the interval that if a, a, a day doesn't, things don't really happen so that you can have this type of conversation that you beat yourself up about, 
Oh, we didn't get a chance to talk about God today. Everybody get up. Everybody wake up. Wake up. Cause we ain't talking about. That's not what we're, we're trying to create an environment. I'm not. No. I, 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 when I say trying, I, I, I kind of. We are providing an environment where God comes up as part of. It doesn't have to be a focus. It is a part of our daily conversation. We don't have to sit up there and say, all right, we need to talk about God right now because we ain't did it today. This should be something that had just come up. It, it should just be natural. It should, it, and that's why I believe Moses was talking about as you're walking along the way, as you're talking along the way, as you're just doing your normal events, how are you focusing on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might? Let's get that as our focus of our family. Because then it becomes generational. And then it becomes legacy. Don't hang around there because they're going to talk about Jesus. They make Jesus show up in everything. And that is what we want. We want to be... Not only those that cause folks to look at Jesus, but also those that reflect Jesus in our conduct. Amen? Amen. 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 If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then this whole message doesn't have the intensity into your life that is necessary for you to have the full understanding because God really wants you to have a full understanding of how much he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son onto the earth to be an example of how to live out the requirements or the commandments that he has established. He did it flawlessly, without sin, and because he was able to do that, he became the perfect substitute for us. Because he was able to accomplish what no man had been able to do before. And for us to operate and be reconnected to God because sin has separated us. And sin means to miss the mark that has been established by God. And so God wants us to be back in alignment with him because he has a desire to fellowship with us, each and every one of us. And so in order for that to happen, God has set up some parameters. And the parameters are so simple that it just takes you to make a conscious decision. He says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that word saved means rescued, delivered. And you are rescued and delivered from the penalty of sin. Sin is missing the mark of God, separation from God. And the penalty of that is death, eternal separation from God. But he says... I have a gift for you, and that gift will give you life eternal. And it says, 
that the Bible then also says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you accept what God has done for you, you will be rescued from the penalty of sin. Now, I say this every Sunday. This is not an individual sport. This is a team event. And if you accept the fact that Jesus died for you today, we want to come alongside you and assist you along this journey. Please let us know that you made this decision by emailing us at info at godshousecc.com. Or you can text us at 864-920-0100. 864-920-0100. And we will get in contact with you, assist you along this journey, because we are in this together. And we want God's best and his success to be a part of your life. All right, please do that and let us know so that we can assist you. Well, friends and family, episode number three, the Shema of God. Have daily conversations about God. That is our goal, that is our desire. Well, until next week, or I should say until next time, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.